Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. My music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 155, and it's about the themes of Keiji Mudo and the Great Muda. And today I'm joined by a returning guest here on the show. He is one of the hosts of the Emerald Flow Show, also on the VOW Network. It's Gerard DiTrolio. Hello, Gerard. Hey, Andrew. I made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You messaged me earlier today that uh, your voice was not feeling up to snuff, unfortunately. And um, I was like, okay, we can postpone this thing. And then uh, you messaged me later on that your voice was feeling a lot better. And, uh, well, here you are. So <laughs> we'll get through this thing, uh, Gerard, I'm, I'm sure. So... <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I've been sick for the first time in several years. Uh, possibly COVID, I don't really know. So that was just a big uh, uh, whammy uh, for me. But uh, I'm recovering. So that's all good. And, uh, you know, podcasting actually uh, keeps my mind off of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were just on actually a few months ago on uh, the Music Memories episode. And normally I don't have someone back on this quickly. But um, I put the call out, and you answered, and, and here we go again. Um, and, and you're the right man for the job here, for sure, uh, given your extensive history of watching Japanese wrestling and uh, the fact that you've covered Mudo on your own show, The Flow Show, the past couple of years. He's been in Noah, so uh, it's, it's a good fit, for sure, Gerard. Yeah, I mean, despite the last couple of years in Noah, I, I still have Mudo in uh, my top 10 of greatest wrestlers of all time. So he means a lot to me, and I'm excited to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Well, I figured, you know, there's no better time to do a Mudo episode than now, given that he's retiring from wrestling. And you can put retiring in quotes, I think, because <laughs> it's Keiji Mudo and he's a wrestler. And uh, these wrestling retirements sometimes don't tend to stick. Uh, but um, his last match is going to be against Tetsuya Naito in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, actually, the day that this episode comes out will be the day of that show. So by the time people are hearing this... Uh, that match will have already have happened, and um, hopefully this is it for him, because the man is 60 years old, and he can barely walk. I mean, he was in a wheelchair leading up to the match, for crying out loud. Uh, this has to be it, but, I mean, you never know. The man's ego is bigger than Tokyo Dome itself, I think, Gerard, so you never know with these things. Absolutely, uh, his ego is bigger than the Tokyo Dome, but, uh, you know, when he first uh, sort of you know, when questions were uh, risen, arose uh, about like how healthy he is, he really, um, you know, when he injured his hip uh, early last year, I believe originally he said, screw the doctors. Uh, I'm not going to listen to them. But then a few months later, he's like, uh, I'm going to go on my retirement countdown. So I do think it is legit. I, I do. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but regardless, I mean, the retirement of KG Muto is still a, pretty massive deal i mean it's it's keiji mudo for god's sake what can you say the, the man is a certified legend both in japan and abroad um one of the three musketeers of new japan with chono and hashimoto the list of accolades is a mile long as is the influence i mean the shining wizard alone how many u.s indie wrestlers used that move in the early 2000s a whole lot of them <laughs> so to the point of parody and of course there's the moonsault as well which he didn't invent but he was got to make it popular for sure, and the pro res love hand gesture, and the great Muda character, which was also copied to death, and the Muda scale of blood, for God's sake. Like, it, it would take way too long to do a full Muda career retrospective, which is why we're only doing the theme songs, but he's still, he's a very massive figure in wrestling history, and if this is actually it for him, 
then it's quite the chapter being closed, Gerard. Absolutely. And uh, this is something that I said before, but I, I want to say it again, and I just want to get this in here. With Muda retiring, the 90s are finally over. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you know, Chono is done, Tenru's done, the Pillars are all done, um, Hashimoto's gone, Enoki and Baba are gone, um, who else? Uh, oh, Hansen, he's done. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Onida is still kicking around, but yeah, as far as like New Japan and All Japan, like the top tier guys of that era for them, yeah, Muto was like the last guy left. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I think that's really historic for that because that's obviously like the first Japanese wrestling that I, I watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't call myself a big Muto fan, but I've seen enough of his matches that I like a lot, um, especially, you know, during the 90s where you know, he still had his knees working. And he does, regardless of, of era, I think, always have that superstar aura about him that just draws you in, both as Muto and Muda. And he's been able to maintain it throughout his entire career, pretty much. Um, now, again, his ego has certainly helped him maintain that superstar aura and presence. <laughs> um, of course, the famous Tanahashi quote, uh, Muto is always going to make the match about Muto. That's that's the detriment. You know, that's where someone like a Kaito Kiyomiya is going to suffer. You know, him having to literally chase down Muto after the match, their last match together. And, you know, because he, you know, he verbally submitted and just left the ring immediately, you know, didn't want to give him any more time. And Kimia had to just literally chase the guy down for any semblance of a rub. So that's the problem right there of, of working with a Mudo. And it, it, it's the give and take where, yes, you have Keiji Mudo, you have the superstar, you have the icon, but is he going to do what's best for you or is he going to do what's best for Mudo? It's, it, it's, it's difficult, Gerard, for sure. Yeah, but what works in his advantage is that he is technically probably the biggest draw in Japan or arguably, at least for Noah, that's not in New Japan. So he can do whatever he wants. And I say this is that when Mudo has had to, like, when he was running All Japan, there were times when he stepped back to put over Kawada, to elevate Kojima. But if you give Mudo an inch, like I think Shinshiro Takagi did when he signed, he had, like, Cyber Fight him to Noah, he'll take a mile. Yes, yes, for sure. And, um... Speaking of miles, that's what this retirement tour has been. It's been a lot of miles, you know, a lot of, a lot of stops on this thing with, you know, Great Muda's final singles match, Great Muda's final match ever, uh, Mudo's last New Japan match, Mudo's last match in uh, Sheboygan. You know, it's just <laughs> so many stops in this thing, but but it's drawing, it's making money. So, you know, again, Absolutely. it's hard to hard to argue with that kind of thing, I guess, there. so. And I mean, I think... This will this show will outdraw Wrestle Kingdom or this year's Wrestle Kingdom too. That's what they're saying. Yeah, I think the number I saw it being touted is thirty thousand or so, which is yep. a little bit more than Wrestle Kingdom this year. Yeah. Um, now, have you ever seen Mudo live in any capacity? Unfortunately, I have not. Okay, because I saw him as Great Muda at the MSG show Mini Weekend a few years ago. Uh, he was in the Honor Rumble in number thirty, and uh, he was in town anyway. And I thought, you know, a lot of people thought, you know. It'd be cool if Muda was like number thirty in that thing, and and he was, and he came out and got a massive reaction, and yeah, it wasn't like a proper match or whatever. It was just a battle royal, but I can still say I saw the great Muda live, um, and he was also just in the EW last year too at the, the Grand Slam show when he came out to help Sting and Darby in the match, and got a massive reaction there too. I mean, all he did was just come out and you know do a dragon screw leg whip and green mist a guy and, and pose with Sting pretty much, but. Listen, you know, star power and charisma go a long way, um, especially when your knees and hips can't. So <laughs> there you go, Gerard. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's just so weird to see him sort of get away with that in Japan because that's not necessarily always how things play out there. And we've seen other stars like consciously move themselves down the card. But, you know, Mudo got this opportunity to run at the top in a condition that few have really wrestled in at the top in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get to the themes here, and we'll do this in two parts. Uh, first, we'll do the Mudo themes, then we'll do the Muta themes, just to make it easier, I think. And, um, you know, if we if we did want to honor Mudo properly here, Gerard, we could have done this over the course of three or four episodes. You know, really stretch it out with, you know... Keiji Mudo's singles themes, Keiji Mudo's tag themes, Great Muda's singles themes, Great Muda's tag themes. You know, just really, really get the most out of this thing. But um, we'll keep it to just one episode here, George, just, just to make it easy. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's sort of unique 
just the sheer number of themes he's had. I know he's had two personas, but even as Keiji Muto, he's had a lot of themes if you compare him to a lot of other uh, superstars. Yeah, there are a lot of Muto songs out there, folks. Just take my word for it. There are a ton of them. So what we'll do is we're going to talk about seven Muto themes and seven Muta themes each. And uh, these are his most well-known songs, his most important songs, or themes of interest, I think. Because if we played all of them, it would take like two or three episodes you know, entirely there, Gerard. So we'll cap it at 14 <laughs> here. Let's get to it then. Uh, we'll start off with the first KG Muto theme, uh, his earliest theme by my research. He started wrestling in 84, so this is around the mid-80s, around that time. Uh, this is by Linda Henrik and June Sato. It's an instrumental version of a song called Champion at Heart. This is a very snazzy, zippy 80s song. Uh, saxophones leading the way, the strings in there. Very upstanding and heroic sounding. Uh, it's called Champion at Heart, of course. It all fits a very young, uh, go-getting, athletic Keiji Muto with uh, fresh, supple knees and hips there, Gerard. It's it's very fitting, I think, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I just made a, a note to myself. Very 80s. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if, you, were, if you were to say, like... Uh, you know, this could be like the theme of a TV show in the 80s or something like that. It's sort of the feeling I got when I listened to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the lyrics in the normal version are even more heroic and on the nose. Uh, talking about fighting for what you believe in, fighting through adversity, uh, following your dreams to victory, I'm a champion at heart, etc., etc. And I'm a little surprised they didn't use that version because it's, it's very over-the-top and heroic there. But um, they didn't for whatever reason. Uh, it's funny, looking at Mudo's entire catalog here... Not that many lyrics, really, all told. I think the next song definitely does, but looking at the other songs here, no lyrics at all whatsoever. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Champion at Heart. Uh, again, very babyface, very 80s and heroic and all that stuff. So, uh, lyrics or not, it, it fits, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that was sort of like the the Mudo character at the time. Like, obviously, the high-flying, a lot of heart, babyface. Uh, you know, Hashimoto was the stoic one. And... Chono was the technical but sort of bland, although that would change later wrestlers, so it really fit him where he was uh, of the Three Musketeers. Mm -hmm, definitely, yeah. So uh, up next, we're going to go to Europe, uh, the band, not the continent. Uh, they did Mudo's theme from in between his first excursion and his second one off of the album The Final Countdown. It's The Final Countdown. So, of course, this is best known as Brian Danielson's ROH theme. Um, but many years before that, this was Mudo's theme. 
And, you know, Final Countdown, it's an iconic song. Obviously makes for a great theme, as you saw with Brian, but it started first with Mudo uh, in the late 80s, when it was a lot more contemporary back then. But I think regardless of whoever uses it, it's hard not to get pumped up with this song, Gerard. It's, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about this song other than, like, you know, just so iconic and a perfect wrestling um, uh, theme? And, you know, I think it sort of worked, I mean, at the time, for him doing his weird sort of sci-fi space lone wolf gimmick. Right, right. Uh, I think it I think it fits as sort of something a little more like epic and spacey, like like space hop or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, space lone wolf, for those that may not know, uh, this is when Mudo came back from his first excursion and they gave him like a space age gimmick with like a silver jacket and the shoulder pads and the, the quote unquote space helmet, which was just like a motorcycle helmet. So, um, but still it was a space gimmick and the Final Countdown is a space-themed song. You know, it's got a, an actual countdown in there for the rocket ship, and it's got references to Venus and Earth and light years and whatnot. So, yeah, it's appropriate not just as a great entrance theme, but for the gimmick too, of course, Gerard. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's funny because they used a, a main like crossover, like well-known song with Europe. And I just learned this recently. It could be apocryphal, but it sort of makes sense. Is that Anoki was like, "Yeah, put the motorcycle helmet on when you come out because I'll try to get a motorcycle spawn a motorcycle <laughs> helmet company to sponsor us." Yeah, yeah, one of those uh, classic Anoki stories we all know and love so much for sure. Yeah, um, but uh, but Final Countdown they've actually they brought it back. I know a few times later on on special occasions. It's like an intro to Holdout. Uh, I saw a clip from uh, his 30th anniversary match in Russell One. I think came out to it first and. Um, for the last Kiyomiya match last year, use it again because that was the first match in the retirement series. Um, now I have no idea if Cyber Agent actually paid Europe for the rights to play it. Of course, <laughs> it's it's pretty expensive, but uh, still, it, it's a cool theme. And um, you know, Mudo is Mudo. He's going to get his way regardless. I think there, Gerard. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, given the fact that they're a streaming service like Abima, they may well have paid that fee. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, they got deep pockets, so it's it's pretty likely, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Mudo theme number three here, and uh, this one he had after returning to New Japan from the original Great Muda run in America there. Uh, he had this one from 1990 to the mid-90s, I believe, so that includes the first G1 Climax Finals against Chono and uh, his first IWGP title reign um, as the Great Muda. Uh, this is by Osamu Suzuki, and it's called Holdout. songs where despite my feelings towards Mudo nowadays um, when I hear it I can't help but get pumped up I mean that opening ramp up into the main riff that and the shredding guitar solos it's not just a good theme I think it's a badass theme too um, the main melody sounds you know a bit fanciful with the keyboards but when those guitars take over it's, it's pretty badass and it's a very different vibe than Champion at Heart and Final Countdown, that's for sure, Gerard. Absolutely. I mean, to me, it's iconic. To me, it, it sounds like a, a Japanese wrestling theme of a big star, you know? Uh, they just have that feeling. I, I don't know. I can't put, quite put my finger on it, but you know all the iconic themes from, you know, whether it's like Hashimoto, Chono, or any of the four pills or anything like that. There's just something about it that's like, this is an iconic theme. And I think it's really telling that with the, they will act to this for Mudo's run in Noah, because they were obviously trying to get Laps fans, and he, this would have been the music that he was using when he had the most eyeballs on him in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good example of like the multitude of Mudo themes, 
because there's a prototype version of this, there's the main version here, there's a version called Holdout A, and now the current version he has, which is the Quinanoa, uh, the 2021 version. So yeah, a lot of variations on this, similar to like The Rock or Undertaker, where there's all these different theme songs that are variations on you know, the same basic melody, really. But but yeah, this is one of those songs that has really endured uh, a lot over the years and is is still going today. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I actually I actually quite like the uh, 2021 version with the little intro and then like some of the effects uh, towards the end of the song. I, I think it's because you know over the years and songs and themes keep getting remixed and remixed. Not always they don't always get remixed in the like the greatest of directions. But I thought they did a really good job here with the 2021 version. I think it's pretty great too. Yeah, it's it's more majestic, I think, with the longer intro yeah. and whatnot. But it, it fits because you know Muda at this point has reached you know ultra legend status. So you know making the song more majestic and, and quote unquote legendary, it, it fits for sure. It fits. So yeah, definitely. So in the mid '90s, uh, Muda gets a new theme, and he has it until the end of the decade, around 2000, 2001, I believe. Uh, this is by Taketa Magic Orchestra, and it's called. Triumph. countdown we had the final countdown at home the final countdown at home um <laughs> but but no seriously uh the main melody here is very similar to final countdown and there's a similar i think epic feel to this one as well i think i mean holdout was i think more badass than epic in my opinion this is more epic and and well triumphant of course and and keyboard based much like final countdown i mean it's a good song don't get me wrong but um, we know where this one is coming from for sure, uh, Gerard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe some, maybe some, they got busted. Maybe someone sent an angry letter to TV Asahi, uh, and so they had to come up with this song. <laughs> um, I, I, I will say, I think I have some interesting feelings about this song. I think the sort of like NWO version is is better uh, of all things. Although at the, as as a song, but I have mixed feelings when I hear this because I just remember watching. New Japan tapes from this time and it was just like the whole like Mudo and the NWO angle and him and Chono and their like gradual breakup it just sort of dragged on so long not unlike the American version of the NWO so yeah. <laughs> like the memories it gives me are just like ah oh, this is like not the greatest of wrestling and and this is sort of when New Japan sort of started to fall off their 90s peak Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned NWO Japan. There is an NWO Japan version of this song. Um, it's like a, a rock remix of it.
think I like that version even more than the normal one, to be honest with you. It's it sounds a lot less like a Final Countdown ripoff and more just like a, a badass rock song befitting the NWO. And I, I love the NWO Japan intro in and of itself too, with like the long build up of the strings and the yes. you know, NWO. Oh, you know, I, I prefer that version, I think, more than the normal one. But um, but yeah, maybe because I don't have any memories of watching New Japan uh, in that era, I don't have the, um, uh, I guess, the, the PTSD that you might have with this song. But it's, it's a fine song. Well, that's a strong term, but it, it was definitely like something where you like, you know, your eyes glaze over and stuff like that. But. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But uh, but yeah, between the two of them, I picked the NWO version myself. So there you go. Um, yeah. Up next, we're going to look at Mudo's final theme as a member of the New Japan roster uh, because he made the jump to All Japan in 2002. This is by NJP Unit, and it's called Outbreak. I'll say this about Mudo, he has a penchant for epic intros to his songs, and uh, this one, one of the most epic, I think. I mean, the piano and the choir and the oh, pulse in the background, then the Terminator music kicks in, and then it all just pops off, and, you know, a lot of Mudo's themes are very similar in terms of how they're made, with the shredding guitars and the keyboards and whatnot. It's all kind of just from the same mold, but... I'll be damned if it doesn't work. And this one works really well, Gerard. It's a great song. Absolutely. I love the piano in this one. I love how it goes all over the place. And I love, like, sort of the wild piano at the end of the song, too. Just really adds to it alongside the guitar. And, uh, you know, I was talking about my feelings about the previous song. And this song is just all warm memories for me. Uh, because this would have been the... Well, I guess I would have first seen Muda in WCW in 2000. But my first like real-time following Mudo in Japan when he returned in 2001 this was his theme and like him winning the triple crown and this music playing just is like seared into my brain I'll never forget it and so to me like this is my favorite Mudo theme of all time Mm -hmm. yeah the song comes I think at a very pivotal time in Mudo's career because it's after NWO Japan is done and it's like okay what's next for Mudo and he shaves his head which was a good thing to do because if you ever saw those matches of his in like late nineties, two thousand, that hair is going, oh. going, gone. So <laughs> he he shaves the head, he grows the goatee out, he forms a new stable, B A T T, badass translate trading, and he starts using the Shining Wizard. And the Mudo that we know of today is born. You know, it was a complete reinvention and reinvigoration of his career. And he's winning the Triple Crown, winning all sorts of Observer Awards, and a new theme like this, which, you know, still harkens back to songs like Hold Out and Triumph, but is still a new composition, is still a step up from those, I think it's part of that reinvigoration for sure, Gerard. Absolutely, and I think it just, you know, uh, I don't know why, it's like, he, I guess, like, the character looked like it had more of an edge than he actually had, but I thought that the the um, the theme song really sort of complemented it, because there's a little... I think, edgier than some of the other themes. Yeah, and uh, like I said, this was also his last theme before he went to All Japan. You know, Himikojima made the jump together in 2002, and that was a massive deal when it happened. So, yeah, in a way, this 
you know, super epic theme song does feel like the culmination of his time in New Japan um, before he leaves. So, um, if you think about it that way, I guess. But, um, but yeah, uh, anyway, Mudo theme number six here, and this is his first proper All Japan theme. It's by Heart Below Band, and it's called Trans Magic. I believe this is Mudo's longest-serving All Japan theme. He had it for, I think, about seven years-ish. Um, so all the top years of, of his run in All Japan. And, yeah, again, it's not breaking the mold in terms of what we've had so far. Uh, cool intro, keyboards, big rock guitars, frenetic, energetic pace to it, the whole nine yards. And, to be honest, Gerard, I'm kind of running out of things to say with these songs because they're pretty similar. They'll kind of blend together at points. But still, it's a good song at least, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a step down. Uh, it doesn't, re- I don't really think, it's not bad, but I just don't think it sort of stands the test of time, whether it be for nostalgic reasons, like Outbreak does for me, or just sort of like that epic feel that uh, Holdout has. But, um, you know, I just think, you know, especially like he, you know, I mean, Mudo sort of just doing his thing in all Japan while, and, and a couple years into it, he does well step back for a while before uh, stepping back up again uh, to win the IWGP uh, title again in main event Wrestle Kingdom 3 and everything like that. So, you know, it's not really like um, a a song that you'll sort of, um, you know, associate with like big epic Mudo matches too. And I think that that means something when you look back at these themes like years later. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I mean, mean, to be fair, you know, it's not like... Mudo really lends himself to a wide variety of musical styles. You know, it's not really a hip-hop guy or an emo guy or screamo death metal. Like, this music just feels like it fits him the best, I think, as the classic wrestling icon, as the main hero, etc. And as a result, you won't get a lot of variety with his themes. Um, And when you're doing a podcast like this, that can be difficult to, you know, really dive deep into analysis for each one because they all kind of tend to, you know, mush together after a while. So it's that's the problem of, of having just kind of similar styles of themes, I guess, uh, Gerard. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, so, some of the issues that you get into with Mudo. Mm-hmm. And again, to be fair, he's not the only guy with this problem. You know, I remember doing the Rey Mysterio episode with Rich Kreich a few years ago, and, I mean, there were, like, ten Latin hip-hop songs in a row. And after a while, it was <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I, I'm tapped out, we got nothing. What's there to say about this? We've heard it before. So, yeah, there are a lot of guys out there who have, you know... A bunch of theme songs that are all kind of in one particular lane, and it's hard to really, you know, dive deep into, you know, each one if, if they all kind of blend together there, so yeah. But uh, anyway, one last Mudo theme here, and this is his last All Japan theme uh, until when he left in 2013 for the Russell One Exodus. Uh, it's again by Osamu Suzuki, and it's called Symbol.
So we're hearkening back to, I think, both Holdout, because that melody sounds a lot like Holdout, and Triumph, because of the 80s keyboards. But, um, like I said with, you know, Transmagic, Gerard, I'm tapped out on <laughs> the big analysis here of these Mudo themes. Again, it's a good song. It works for Mudo. Beyond that, I'm, I'm pooped. Got nothing else, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like this. Uh, I hadn't heard this song in a long time, uh, you know, getting back to that, these were sort of the lean years for him in all Japan. So it had been quite some time since I listened to it, and I'm like, actually, I kind of like this, you know? And I think it's better than Trans Magic. Uh, it's fun. It seems a little more like, you know, electronic y, like sort of like trying to be hip um, sort of thing. And, you know, yeah, and you're right, this is the lean years of, of, of him in all Japan. And, you know, towards the last couple of years, he wasn't even working a full time schedule in all Japan anymore. So, you know, this is sort of like, you know, I can't say this is one of his absolute best themes, but I think, you know, it's a hidden gem Ludo theme, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's you know, good. If you haven't heard it, give it a listen. Yeah. Yeah, all these songs are good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it's fun to listen to them back to back and, you know, and enjoy them, of course. But the problem with this show is, you know, when you have to listen to them back to back, you have to take notes, too. And you have to write down stuff about each one. And it's like after a while, when you've exhausted the, you know, epic rock guitar keyboard stuff, it's like, where else are you supposed to go, really? So, yeah, it gets a lot more difficult down the home stretch. Um, but, but I will say, this is... You know, a very notable song again in that it's the last Mudo theme before he made the big jump to Russell 1 in the Exodus there, and that's pretty notable. And, and also notable is that it's a reunion with Osama Suzuki, who made Hold Out, and you can definitely hear the Hold Out influence with the guitar work at certain points, but um, again, I, I am ready, more than ready, for a change in tone and style here, Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Yes, let's go, let's go. Going to go now to the second half here, the Great Muda themes. Uh, Great Muda was born in WCW in March of 89. Uh, he was billed as the son of the Great Kabuki because his manager, Gary Hart, used to be the manager for Great Kabuki, and they had a falling out, and Hart needed a new client, and enter Great Muda. You know, same gimmick pretty much, just a new guy. And Muda's excursion in WCW would last about a year, and he would feud with all the big names like Luger and Flair and, of course, Sting and win the TV title and all that. His first theme is by John Kilior and Orlando Kimber from the Bruton Music Library. This is Luminous Forces 1. So a big change up here, um, you know, going back and comparing the Mudo themes specifically from the 80s, you know, it's way different than Champion at Heart and Final Countdown, um, different in terms of composition, you know, no rock guitars, no big 80s keyboards, different in terms of energy and tempo, it's a lot more slower paced, a lot more subdued. It puts an emphasis on the East Asian background, which the Mudo songs did not do, and it's different in terms of the mood it sets. And that mood is mysterious and spooky and altogether ooky. So it's a total 180, not just from the old Mudo themes, but all the Mudo themes, I think, Gerard. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they were going to some sort of, you know, mysterious uh, warrior from the East thing here with what the great Mudo gimmick was and they gave him the right music for. I thought that this this actually didn't turn out to be quite as stereotypical as some of his of uh, some of Muda's uh, subsequent themes in terms of sort of just like the traditional Japanese music. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean if you look at the later WCW Muda themes, he's got songs like you know Tokyo Takeaway and Warlord, Pacific Zone. Yeah. I mean, those are much more I think on the nose and stereotypical uh, East Asian music for sure. 
Um, but it all it all started with this one, I think. You know, and if you're going to establish that Mudo and Muda are different people in general, I mean, this is a good way to do it. You know, and it's also a good way to establish that again, Muda is mysterious. He's dangerous. He has the face paint. He has the mist. He has the martial arts, and he has the creepy music, which you know again has that you know touch of the East Asian stuff in there. And not all Muda themes have that, but again, it, it's late '80s WCW. It's not a big surprise that they would go in the direction at all with Muda and his music there, Gerard. Yeah, well, at least I mean they didn't recycle like the theme of some other Japanese wrestler and just uh, give it to him or something like that, you know. Um, and I guess I should ask you this since you brought it up, but have you ever covered the great Kabuki's theme on this show? Not yet, no. So his theme, Yankee Station, uh, I had just heard, because he came out on the Muda retirement show and I hadn't heard that song in years. And I'm like, this is a real banger. Uh, so you should cover it sometime. All right, duly noted, duly noted there, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, on the topic of WCW here, um, those later WCW themes I mentioned, they were interchangeable among the uh, Japanese wrestlers at the time. Um, and also, uh, later on, he would use uh, Tear It Up, the NWOB team theme, of course. But also, you mentioned 2000 WCW. He was a member of the Dark Carnival stable with Vampiro and the ICP, which means that he had two ICP songs as his themes, Take It and Assassins, which are very different than Luminous Forces and other Muda themes in a lot of ways, for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, great Muda down to clown, apparently. So there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so Muda returns to Japan in 1990, and uh, eventually he wins the IWGP title and all that stuff, and we get the first New Japan Muda theme. This is Osamu Suzuki again, with a song simply called Muda. Muda. iconic themes earlier uh, this is another one i mean this is i think the iconic great muda theme by a long shot uh has that memorable intro with i, I guess some sort of stick thingy or whatever and the demonic voice you know tch, muta tch, muta tch, 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 the great muta then you have the strings come in which um if i may confess something here it took me way too long to realize that this is just a remake of holdout it's the exact same melody as Holdout, but done on strings. And it's the same guy doing both songs as well. Like, it's so obvious in hindsight, I'm embarrassed by it. But yeah, this is Holdout, Great Muda version, Gerard. Yeah, and I think sort of like like the spooky elements they added, because they sort of really played into it. Because, you know, once they bring Great Muda into Japan, he sort of gets spooky, more spooky elements, like he's a demon, and like the matches with like Hakushi and, and Liger and everything like that. So I think it's sort of good. Not that I'm, I like spooky characters at all. I was obviously never like an Undertaker guy, but the changes to the theme fit the character they were that they were going for. Oh yeah, I mean this absolutely leads more into the supernatural side of the character for sure. I mean, because yeah, he's supposed to be like a, a demon from hell apparently, and. The intro sounds sort of like a, like a summoning ritual, um, yep. at least to me it does. And you have the strings in there too, which are very austere, and the sound effect, which is also pretty spooky. And, and yeah, I, I mean, like Luminous Forces, it's a creepy song too. But when you see Muda come out in Japan, and he has these super elaborate costumes, and the mask and all that, and he, he takes it off and he spits the mist down in the air, he looks like a demon. He does. And it's all very effective in portraying him as 
not just a wrestler, but as a scary character interact. Yep, definitely. And I think it's just sort of like, again, uh, much like Holdout, and this is the the theme that, that was mostly used in Noah when he was the great Muda, again, appealing to that nostalgic crowd. Mm-hmm. And it still works, too. I mean, especially nowadays with Muda just looking even more like a monster, just hobbling down to the ring with no knees. It still works. It's a creepy <laughs> theme there, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then with, with like sort of the... Because he sort of took the old Muda theme and then had like the new Muda mask. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, in the mid-90s, uh, Muda changes his song from Hold Out to Triumph. And uh, funny enough, Muda also changes his song around the same time period. This new theme is by Taketa Magic Orchestra, and it's called Great Muda Concerto. So two notable things about this song. Uh, one, they upped the creepy factor in the intro with the thunder, the evil groaning, the evil laughter and all that. And two, much like how the song Muda is the great Muda version of Holdout, this is the great Muda version of Triumph. It's the same band, the same melody, the same riff, just done in the Muda style with the traditional instrumentation and all that. So they do it again here, Gerard, the same pattern. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of like a cool way to go because I think not, uh, you know, in the I'm not always in love with the great mood and character, but I think the most interesting balance they got there sort of in the early to mid 90s when he was bouncing back and forth between great Muda and Keiji Mudo in the new Japan, because, you know, they took the great. It wasn't just a, like, a gimmick for like shows like the like I said like the Hakushi match and the and the uh, Liger match but like when he came back to Japan uh, after that excursion uh, or no it would have been uh, in nine, starting in 92 they um, they really pushed him hard as uh, the great Muda and he won his first IWGP title not as Keiji Muto but as Muda and he won the NWA title, World Heavyweight title as the Great Muda. So, you know, that sort of interplay, I think that was the most fascinating Great Muda era for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, what's fascinating about this is the change in tone it gives. Because, I, I mean, it makes sense when you get rid of Holdout and switch over to Triumph. You would do the same for Muda and his theme. The consequence being that you're kind of changing up the tone of what a Muda theme is, I think. Because, like, before it was creepy and austere... Now it's much more modern and a little bit more zippy sounding. Even though it still has scary elements or whatever in there, the actual body of the song isn't necessarily scary sounding. The production doesn't have that feel to it anymore, really. And I don't think any of the songs after this one have that, you know, overarching creepiness to it either, really, Gerard. No, not at all. And I think that the other sort of songs are sort of victims of circumstance, I guess we could say. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. I mean, the issue, I think, with Triumph is the melody doesn't lend itself to being overtly sinister. Like, Holdout, you can make that sound evil and menacing. Triumph is such an uplifting melody that, you know, even through the Moodle lens, it's hard to really feel scared by it, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, but I still think probably Muda's second best theme. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the last Muda New Japan theme before he made the jump to All Japan... Uh, much like Outbreak is also by NJP Unit. Uh, funny how that keeps happening. Uh, this is called Muda Skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> 
this one does make me laugh, because it starts off in a typical spooky mood way with the sound effects and the disembodied voice and all that. And then, all of a sudden, it takes a big left turn into Techno Muda with Glow Sticks Galore. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a good song, don't get me wrong, but it's also just a real sharp departure from Great Muda Concerto, and especially from Muda and Luminous Forces drawer, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, by the time he... Like, I forgot this theme even existed because sort of, like, after 96, 97, his last couple years in New Japan, he doesn't really bring out the great Muda as much as he used to once he leaves the NWO. It was only a couple of times, and so it's sort of like just the forgotten Muda era because there wasn't really that much Muda... Uh, at that time mm-hmm, right right but but still i mean like we said with outbreak it's around the time of big changes with with mudo and his career and all that and you know when he shaved his head he changed up the mudo look too he started wearing the mask and the paint together and yeah it's also around the time he did the jump to all japan of course so you know as silly as it is to think of great mudo at a rave you know bopping around it does still line up with the big changes going on elsewhere i think in his career gerard yeah absolutely and i think he was clearly wanting to evolve the Muda character, but I don't think that all necessarily landed. <laughs> right. It's a very strange song, I agree. Yeah, and um, the title, too, is funny, um, Muda Skyscraper, because it just makes me think of Great Muda having his own evil skyscraper, you know, in a dark city somewhere. It just, it, it just comes to mind for me. So, do, you think he would yeah, trap, yeah, um, do you think he would trap the rock? in the skyscraper ah oh, right yeah yeah well well there's the story that uh they offered the rock a lot of money for mudo's last match for him to be the opponent so it it all kind of lines up nicely there gerard i think <laughs> do you think that if, if the rock had made that retirement match they would have done a mini movie where the great muda traps the rock in the skyscraper <laughs> like the white castle of fear that, that would have been great that would have been worth every penny i think they paid him <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure for sure Definitely. so uh, Muda's main All Japan theme uh, during that run is by a uh, huh Heart Blow Band. How about that? Uh, this is called Muda Praise Bloom. I think this is my favorite Great Muda theme, actually, if I'm being honest. I love this one a lot. Has the creepy intro, has the sustained shrieking keyboard notes, the... I like the pacing to it as well, and it manages to be modern and robust in production, while also still having this kind of haunting, mystical quality about it, in a way. So, it's not necessarily creepy, it's more like overall just badass and ominous i guess gerard but it's a great song i think yeah it's pretty good and like i was saying like the muda character of was evolving and not in the great greatest of directions but he sort of um course corrected i think in the mid 2000s when he started using the great muda character a lot more in all japan he'd go on to have a triple crown reign as the great muda and everything and he the like the masks he he would wear and the pants he would wear got better looking and everything like that because i think some of those early like masked mudas looked quite awkward and everything like that so i think this is sort of like you know obviously his body was breaking down although there was a couple of matches in the in the late other than muda that i i dug i, I recall a good one he had against suwama uh but uh you know but at least as the character and as the aura this is a return to form i think mm-hmm. yeah if i'm being honest actually i i think i prefer 
you know, bald mask Muda more than, you know, just hair and paint Muda because, I mean, those masks are some of the coolest looking masks I've ever seen, you know, and he, there's a lot of them too. He has a lot of different masks. Um, there's like, you know, pirate Muda and buffalo skull Muda and, and face hugger Muda and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I prefer latter stage Muda where he went to, you know, the masks and all that. And, um, but that, that's just me. That's just me. So, um, and when I grew up, so there you go. But, um, so the last few Muda themes we'll get to here are ones that he had in America in recent years. Uh, the first one is when he went to TNA in 2014 during the TNA-Russell 1 relationship. Uh, this is the year they did Bound for Glory in Cork and Hall, of course. Uh, this is by Dale Oliver, and it's called East of the Orient. again because uh, right off the bat we get the gong just so on the nose there I did laugh at that and much like with Muda Skyscraper there's an interesting combination of things going on here on the one hand we have the traditional East Asian music here of course on the other hand we have like a hip-hop beat driving the song um, MC Muda over here for God's sake so I guess kudos to Dale Oliver for not just doing a completely stereotypical Asian music song and going for something that's a little bit sinister sounding and has a little bit more of a fresh spin on things for the hip-hop beat Gerard I guess I suppose but to me you're you getting into like you know I'll just be blunt like to me this is a like a forgettable theme from a forgettable relationship <laughs> you know uh you know how many people remember anything about the impact wrestle one relationship other than maybe Taz yeah, him and uh, Andy Wu, his boy Andy Wu there, yeah. Um, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still very stereotypical, okay? You know, the song is called East of the Orient, for God's sake. But <laughs> look, like with WCW, it's just what you expect at this point with American wrestling companies. You know, it is what it is. Um, that said, I still like the song. I can't help it. There's not much to it, of course, but it did get my toes to tap in, Gerard. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it, hey, it, in that case, it did its job. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I mean, it was still, I think, better than Sonata and his TNA theme when he was there. Oh, yes. Which, yes, I remember that. Uh, I believe it was called Japan Rising Sun. So, again, <laughs> very on the nose and, unfortunately, very par for the course when it came to Japanese wrestling themes in America. So, here you go. But, um, but the last Muda theme here and the last theme of the episode overall is one that Debuted last year when Muda made his appearance in AEW at Rampage Grand Slam. This is by Mikey Ruckus featuring Dylan Edwards. It's called The Stand. Funny, Muda only used this song once, and it wasn't even for a match, it was for a run-in, 
and yet listening to it on its own, this song rocks. I mean, I think we're long past the point of Muda and his themes, you know, being creepy, but instead it's very epic, like a lot of Muda themes are, and it has the big metal guitars in there and the orchestration mixed together. It has really good drumming too. So I think despite the uh, very, very brief tenure of the song, I think it's pretty good, Gerard. Yeah, uh, I do too. Almost, I hate to say this, but almost wasted on Muda because it was only ever going to be a one shot. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, when I, like, I watched uh, you know, that episode, I think this Rampage came out and everything like that. And uh, I didn't think of anything of it at the time, but I was listening to this because you sent you know me the file, and I was like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. And I think um, I think Mikey Ruckus deserves credit for trying to do something different with Muda, like not going the not just the stereotypical Japanese route, but like not just going a stereotypical spooky route either. Yeah, I would describe it as like the most cinematic Muda theme, I guess. Especially yeah. with the strings. He's like a, um, like a super villain or something in a movie, maybe. Right, yeah, which is very much a Muda quality all throughout his career. He very much has that over-the-top cinematic way about him, obviously. It's it's just funny to think about like the growth from over 30 years ago where you had Luminous Forces, which just sounds so you know simple and basic. And then as time goes on, the Muda themes get busier and busier. And you know, even the short-lived ones like this... They just kept, you know, upping the ante there, Gerard. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of just a, a strange but very welcome evolution to cap things off, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was also just nice to see him and Sting together again after all those years because uh, of their just huge relationship and history together. So, And that led, of course, to the last Muda match uh, a month or so ago. So, um, yeah, it was great to see them, you know, be together again with the nostalgia of it all. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just really had like of all the things in the muda countdown which i could go on like we could do in a whole other podcast with me ranting about it uh the sting in the muda stuff i thought was the highlight for me mm-hmm. all right well those were the kg mudo slash great muda themes and again there are a bunch more we could have done not just themes but like album songs that were never really themes to begin with, but still, I mean, there's stuff like Muda Galaxy, there's Muda Roman, there's Muda Musso, uh, Muda the Serial, Muda the Coloring Book, and on and on and on it goes, <laughs> but uh, regardless, we definitely had our fill of Muda slash Muda themes today here, uh, Gerard, and I know we kind of zipped through it at a nice brisk pace there, but uh, look, like we said, after the first couple of themes, you know, there's not really much to sink your teeth into in terms of deep analysis. So it just, it is what it is. But uh, still, it was a lot of fun, I think, Gerard, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you have nearly 40-year career to cover. And you have this guy changing his theme every couple of years on two different continents. So, I mean, I think this was absolutely a great cross-section of uh, Moodle's career and the key themes. And really, the key themes that I'm not necessarily saying every listener of the show would have heard all of them, but definitely the ones that they would be most likely to have encountered during their fandom. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mats. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Gerard, thank you again for being here. You, you braved it out with your sickness, and we all got through it okay with our, our voices and our knees intact, thank God. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my knees are doing just fine. Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Yeah, uh, so listen to the Emerald Flow Show at uh, the, on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We're on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show. We cover all Japan and NOAA, and sometimes maybe some DDT and if Zero One makes tape, we'll do that. And, uh, you know, by this comes in, coming out on Tuesday, hopefully we'll have an episode covering the Moodle Retirement Show a couple days after this podcast drops. So uh, wait, uh, take, be on the lookout for that. All right, and Music of the Met is, of course, also part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find all the great shows on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate. For any donations, uh, just click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
and many other places. Gerard, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thanks, Andrew. All right, for Gerard Detrolio, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.